quality time during the whole week. We had our main speaker speaking to us on Monday and Tuesday. Then our area deacon spoke on Wednesday and Thursday. And then we wrapped it up on Friday with some prayers. And today, glory be to God, our main speaker is in the house. And he's going to speak to us. Then we'll have some time to interact. Hallelujah. It pleases the Lord that we have a minister of the gospel in the house. He is a professor in agriculture. He is the first dean of students at KNUST. Hallelujah. He was once the Metropolitan Archbishop of Kumasi. If I'm right, immediate past. Methodist, sorry, Methodist Church. Yes, please. The Methodist Church. And he's a prolific writer. He's attended a number of conferences, spoken at these conferences, and written a lot of books. I encourage you to get some of the books before you leave here today. A set, there are two sets. Each set costs 50 CDs. We have some of the sets at the information deck. So, Try and then get some. Abraham was rich. Isaac was rich. So you must be rich. <laughs> That's one of the, uh, the titles. And he has a lot of them. He will bring them here when he's coming to give his exposition. Church to the glory of God. With a clap offering unto God. We want to welcome right Reverend Professor. Osei Safo Kantanka. Shall we clap to the name of the living God? Prof, you're welcome. Yes, hallelujah. You know, he's a retired minister. But we want to feed from him. We, we want to get a lot from him today. So, when he's tired, we've permitted him to sit down. That is why we have brought this chair here. It's not by mistake. So, we have agreed that he sits down when he's tired. So, when you see him sitting down... He's still in the administration process. Hallelujah. Shake somebody and tell him, did you hear? Thank you very much. I'm actually having some challenges in my, my leg. When the nerves, you know, they, they move through the bones or something, and the bones are pressing on them, uh, it causes a lot of, of pain. I had this six years ago, and... Uh, it has come to the other leg. Well, we are still moving on. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for Osofo, for the opportunity to be here and uh, what do you call him? Area Deacon, Samankwa. I've known him for quite a long time. I was at one time the chairman of council of uh, Christian Service University where he used to work. So. I've known him for quite a long time. And uh, in fact, the day that the Bishop Kantanka teaching ministry was inaugurated, he was one of the speakers. And he supports uh, my ministry quite well. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh, be here and, and to share the word of God with you uh, over the past or this week, which has just ended. It's also good to be here 
and really enjoy the, the worship. Um, but as I sat and listened and enjoyed the worship, I said, well, Lord, we come into your presence, as a lot of the singing also told us, but we also have to get out of your presence <laughs> and go out there into the world. Moses enjoyed God's presence, and he says, I want to know more of you. But he still had to go. And then he says, why wouldn't you go with me? I says, my presence will go with you. And God's presence is what? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's interesting that the Bible uses the word fellowship. Is what? Friendship. He walks with us and talks with us along life's narrow ways. So once in a while we come into the presence of the Lord and through his servants and so on, they minister to us. It's all to encourage us. It's all to prepare us for the world out there. When you read, I think, Mark chapter 9, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were there, and the experience that they had, the kinds of things that they saw, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was revealed to them. There was nothing they could say, We wish we were always staying here. Let's build what? Tabernacles for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for you, and when we'll remain here. But no. You know what was happening down the hill? Somebody had brought his child to the disciples to be healed. And they were struggling. For all the time that Jesus was up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, they had failed to heal the boy. And the boy was disappointed. Is this the Jesus you have talked about? And I come to you, and because he is not physically here, you are not able to heal. Until Jesus came. And so you knew that the kind of attitude the man showed. My son, I brought my son to the, your, your, your disciples, but if you can do something about it, fine. Jesus said, you are saying if I can do something about it? If I can? What is, what, is, what is this picture telling us? We come to church to be empowered, to go out there, to demonstrate the Jesus in whose presence we have come. So we come, and it's good to come and get all of us involved in this great worship. But I also think that once we have done that, then let us also hear God speaking to us, equipping us, and sending us out into the world and assuring us that my presence will go with you. The other song that was sung, the lady led, was also quite speaking to us. I am a child of God. I'm not a slave to fear. I think it's very, very important, particularly 
when we are talking about these things amongst us as Africans. And one of the passages I like most in the Bible was read to us this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. I like it in three. Or see, a son said a man won honamni mujenti. Or no so far honamni muja. Send me a bear, or nam wo wooso. A bit too upon someone. Wounti, a mra or motiasiano, or my enqua ediamano. The fear of death. When we are talking about this in an African congregation, then you must really get a lot of emphasis on that. I'm going to be talking about when I went to Accra on Wednesday, on Thursday, my, the program I was speaking on, uh, uh, Prof. Apostle Nina was also on it. So we had a lot of talk. I will come to that and talk about what we chatted about. But one of the things he said, while he was to give uh, a talk on leadership, his leadership and so on and so forth. One of the things that he said, in fact this morning I even said it on, on, on radio, that one of the problems of us Africans as Christians is our what? Our focus on the devil. That we focus too much on the devil. When it comes to death, when it comes to everything, everything is what? The devil, he said, and he used, he said, read the book of, of Job. And you see that anytime these friends were talking to Job about what he has done and so on, he said, I want God himself to come and sit down with me and judge me. At some point, in spite of all the difficulties, Job could say, I know that my Redeemer lives. So he said, our problem is that there's too much focus on the devil. And therefore, we need to be able to know whom we have believed. That because of Africa and our fear of death, our fear of witches, our fear of what? Ancestral curses. Our fear of those kinds of things. We are crippled in what we are capable of doing and can do. So it's not just a matter of coming here to worship in the presence of God and read such a passage, but to go out there and demonstrate to the world the Jesus that we have. Who, in fact, the Bible, by giving us Hebrews 2.14, is telling that the reason for the incarnation, God will have saved us in any way, but the reason for the incarnation is that he will become a human being become poor like Africa is poor, which is actually what we are going to talk about. Because when you read Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse, verse 9, I call it the divine exchange. The divine exchange. It says, he became poor. That, because of his poverty, you might become what? Rich. So I said, yes, when see Diane, me mintra, me because he said, the son of man has nowhere to what? To lay his head. So if he became poor, and the reason for the incarnation is that I might become rich. And I live in Africa. And Africa's greatest problem is poverty. Then Africa has not really discovered the Jesus that they are worshipping. That is the point we are making. That Jesus became poor. That we may become rich. In fact, 
I, I tell people, when you read that passage, please, don't spiritualize that passage. Because Paul was discussing about money. Why we must give money and so on and so forth. And he said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he was what? He was rich. And yet, for your sake, he became poor. In fact, I am a ministry. He had no money. He had no car. He had to walk from what? Galilee to Jerusalem for his ministry. That is the Jesus we worship. And the reason he did that was that when it comes to what? Poverty issues, you might know that because he was poor, I am not going to be poor. And that is a problem of Africa. Poverty. So how do we, followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, take away the fear of death, the fear of demons, the fear of riches, and realize our potential? One of the first books that I wrote, Realize Your Potential, and become the kinds of person, persons that God wants us to be. To give glory to God. So the divine exchange must work in your life. It must work in other people's life. Those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I was, said, I was saying on radio that if God changed the name of Jacob and made him what? Israel. I have a copy of the book here. Then God is telling us when he comes into your life, he does not make life easy, but he makes life what significant. He makes life significant. Because even of the three patriarchs, of the three patriarchs, one would have thought that if God wanted to give a name to the country that bears that his people, then he probably would call it Abraham. And yet God calls that place what? He changes his name. In fact, first of all, I'm dealing on radio with God changing what? Abraham and Jacob's names. He comes to Abraham and he says, you are called Abram. A name of what? An exalted father. Come on. Yeah, they are to know. Not uh, all those kinds of things. Not that. Exalted father. But God said, no. You are going to be a person of greater significance. A father of all nations. Abraham. Then he comes to Jacob and he said, what is your name? Said Jacob or Crom four. One who holds the heels, one who cheats his brother, one who takes advantage of his brother's hunger and say, Let me take your birthright. You have an ignoble name. And all that. And you've gone to your uncle, you've gone through a lot of difficulties. But I promise you in Bethel that I will be with you. I will send you there and bring you back. And I have struggled with you. And you have what? Been able to maintain your position. One thing that is good about Jacob. I seem to have put down my nose and I'm talking about other things. But one thing that is good about Jacob is that he had a strong achievement drive. He wanted to achieve something. From birth, even in the mother's womb. He was telling Esau, my friend, go quickly and let me come. <laughs> and there was somebody also in the Bible, Paris. He did the same thing. Go quickly and let me come. I want to achieve something. 
But we have to achieve according to God's what? Rules. But anyway, God comes to him and changes his name. You are a fighter. You fought with man and with God and have conquered. You are going to conquer. But that didn't make life easy for what? For Jacob at all. But at the end of the day, this man who had to what? Work for 14 years in order to get the woman that he loved. 14 years. 14 years. Somebody would have said, I want whom? Rahel. If you want Rahel, 14 years. And he got Rahel. Rahel so by problem. And it's all worked out that this one man fathered all the 12 tribes of Israel. They all come from one man. God works together for good for all those who love the Lord. Hallelujah. This is the God we worship. This is the God we worship in whose presence we come. And we come so that he will equip us so that we go out there and be able to demonstrate to the world that we have a God who makes us significant. If it were not you, our family wouldn't have had the name, the significance that it has. But because of you. Christianity is not just for life becoming easy for me. God calls us that we might make an impact, a witness to the world. And in Africa, in Africa, our witness to the world is a life of influence. It's a life where we have really challenged poverty and have overcome poverty in our own family, in our own surroundings, and have a witness. We must demonstrate that. And so, I have formed an organization which I called MEPAC, which means Movement for the Eradication of Poverty in Africa through the church. Because I'm convinced that there is no way poverty in Africa, in Ghana, can go away through our governments. And that is not even God's design. God's design is for his children to be able to transform wherever they find themselves. After all, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And if we are the light of the world, then we must provide that. And wherever there is light, Darkness, what? Goes away. So when we have a certain problem, and our president was right when he went to the United Nations and said, Ghana, Africa has no other problem but the problem of what? Poverty. Open your eyes and see around you. And when I came here Monday, Tuesday, I talked about these things that almost 25% of Ghanaians live in extreme in a, in poverty and 8.2% live in extreme poverty. This is not my data. The Ghana Living Standards, they did that survey. They do it every six years or so. In fact, I've written in, 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 in my book here, the, the Dutch Vera TV was saying that to test of the, of, of the world's poor, who are living below the poverty line, are found in Africa. 
and that Nigeria has overcome Calcutta in India at the center of the world's poverty. It's not that you will not see Nigerians who are rich. It's not that you will not see Ghanaians who are rich. But we are talking about the whole continent as you see it. And that is why Trump could call Africa as what? Shithole countries. And then, after this man, I don't know what he is really, really about. He causes the, uh, what? The Kurds and the Syrians are fighting, and then he sits back and says, if sometimes you allow the children to fight, and when they fight, then you separate them. Ah! Radio, who am so that is the world leader that we, we, we have. Okay, so I want you to realize that we are talking about a real issue which confronts us. And as I said, my conviction is that the church, that's why I've written these books that Osofo mentioned. Abraham was rich. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. Why not you? In this book, but the basis of this book that I wrote was Galatians chapter 3 verse 14, which says, he called us Gentiles that the blessings of Abraham may come upon the Gentiles through Christ. So I asked myself, is the blessing of Abraham only spiritual? No. Genesis 13 2 says, Abraham was rich in livestock and silver and in gold. So the man was materially rich. In fact, when he was going to fight the people and take care of, of his nephew uh, Lot, the Bible says he raised what? There were 318 strong men who lived in his house, who went with him to fight. It means that this man has established a business and his general manager was Eliezer, who he sent to go and find a wife for, 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 for him, for Isaac. Ah, at that time, you have someone who loved the Lord, who was what? A businessman, had established a factory, had all kinds of people, and in fact, there were what? 318 men, probably with their wives and children, they all depended on, depended on this man. How many, how many business tycoons do we have in Ghana who have established what? Factories and so on, which are employing the graduates who are unemployed. Why is everybody sitting down and thinking that it is only the responsibility of the government to find work? Who are the Christian business tycoons? Is anybody dreaming about that here? I'm told that the kinds of people who are here are the kinds of people in society who are capable. If you dream, dream big. And let us have the Christians. I have a dream, I always say it, that the time will come when the commanding highs of the economy of Africa, of Ghana, will be in the hands of people who love the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And when we love the Lord, and we are the people in charge of the economy of the country, nobody will ever dream. I was talking to Apostle Ronina and said, poverty. And he said, you are right. This LGB thing that we are all struggling about with the government and saying we will rise up and so on, it's all because of what? Poverty. Who will ever go to a, high, a, a head of state and ask the head of state like they interviewed our president? When are you going to allow laws on homosexuality to come into your country? Who would dare go and ask the Chinese president that question? 
who would they go and, and, and support or help to write a, a textbook for the children in their school and suggest that you put all of these things and call it what? Comprehensive sexual education. Because they funded it. And they have the money. So when we are talking about the issue of poverty, we, are, we as Christians might be what? Very, very concerned. Because we are capable. And today we are going to discuss. Last, last we talked about it, of course, not many of you came to, to the program. And that's why I'm going back over uh, these things. The problem of Africa is not lack of resources. The problem of Africa is what? It's a mindset problem. If it's a mindset problem, then it is the church that must deal with it. It is the church that must examine the mindset of the typical African. And when the typical African becomes a Christian, because 70% of us claim that we are Christians. So when we have become Christians and our mind is changed, what does it transform into? So Abraham was rich. This one is on Abraham. How did Abraham transfer not only the faith, but also his material blessings unto whom? Unto Isaac. What are the succession problems that we have around here? When somebody rises up and even able to do well, he dies and the business what? Dies with him. So we have only what? Relics. Poku transport. What is there? What he started? Is it there? But the name remains. Go and see. And all over the place. Why is it that amongst us, people who even make effort to really demonstrate that they are capable of doing something, they live, they die, and whatever it is, dies with him or her. What do we learn about the patriarchs? And how did they handle it? And when you read this book, you can even see the struggle between whom? Abraham and Sarah. Sarah saying, no, Ishmael shall not, what? Be your inheritor. Because at some point, Abraham told God, Ishmael, eh, eh, eh. And when he sent that woman away, God came and told Abraham, listen to what your wife is saying. The same problem was what? In his, uh, Isaac's home, where the blessings went to Jacob and not to Esau. So you read about uh, Abraham, you read about Jacob. One of the things that I find about, about, about Isaac, which is very interesting, I think last time I was saying it, Isaac died when he was 180 years old. But when he was 100 years old, he was already blind. That's why Jacob was able to deceive him. Because he said, the sound that I hear is the sound of Jacob. He said, no, no, daddy. He just can feel it. The question is, that I ask myself, how did Isaac take care of his life for the 80 years that he was blind. And that's why I always speak on this topic. Selfish and selfless reasons why you must be rich. 80 years of blindness. If the man wasn't rich, how did he cater for? When you are getting old, then you realize that you must have money. <laughs> it's true. 
this pain that I'm having, I went to the doctor that had given me some what, medication for the nerves. He said uh, every 10 weeks it will be 50 CDs. And so maybe at my level, no problem. But I zoom in. And I have to have a medication for my eye. And also, we bought a What? go to bed me and say, Anasa, 50 CDs. I always say that the kind of lifestyle when you led, which you led just before you, go to, you went to retirement, if you cannot maintain it, then you have not planned well. And you need money. So we have pediatricians. And we have what? Gidiatricians. This one, and I heard me saying on, on, on TV and saying that, this man who was sick and they said, yeah, they call her. there were no beds. We moved her, there were no beds, and so on and so forth. Why? Why? Why are they moving him? Some people are calling doctors to come to their home to take care of them. <laughs> what do you do now? And Isaac had a nurse. The Bible says he had a nurse called Deborah who took care of him. Because the Bible says Isaac, he became rich. The Bible describes it as So the man didn't have any problems at all even though he was blind. Somebody took care of him. The other time I went to preach at the uh, Ramsey Presbyterian and then I saw an old man nicely dressed, white, gray hair, and so on. Somebody will bring him there. There's a young lady who sits by him and so on. He was blind. Every, I went there, every Sunday I went, he was there. Then I asked, who is he? They say, James Ousu. James Ousu was in Krumah's time, the what? The mayor of, of, of KMA. And he's rich. When you are going to Accra Road, the Goyle that is there, there's a structure, there's his house and so on. He used to be Krapahine and all that. So in his old age, he comes and he's a decent man. He cannot see, but he has people who are doing what? Are serving him. Please, young men and women, when we are talking about money, huh? I ask them, <laughs> We must plan for it. Hallelujah. So, we also have Jacob there. The other series that I've written is that Africa shall be free from poverty. Fulfilling God's desire for the prosperity of Africa. I, I like the subtitle that I give to my book. Fulfilling God's desire. And you know, Paul Pedda sending Africa should be what? The poorest in the world. And everybody looks down on them. Not because of the, the pigmentation of their skins, but because they don't have any money. And God is not happy. He created Africans in his image as he created Enu Obroni. And he gave us the pigmentation of black so that we are adapted to the kind of climate where he put us in. When you read Isaiah chapter 5, he tells you, so it's an issue that should concern each and every one of us. And we should work 
to free our country and our nation of the poverty. When you read the books, you hear about the poverty ladder and all that. I don't want to go through all that. The African worldview and our poverty. You can move on. The African worldview and our poverty. This one too, if you came last, in fact this morning I think I have even talked about that. The songs that we sing and how they really talk about our poverty. Which means we say, when you come here, the man said, imagine you have gone to a village and they ask you, oh, Okwanso, you give all while you are there and then you ask them, Nahanso, I had you here in You understand it? As for here, it is only what? The poverty and what? So, we, 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 we as a people are not really, people want to have money, but they, are, they, they have accepted. And that is why I keep on challenging us as Christians. They have accepted that all that they have in this world to bear with is money, is poverty. And that somebody else should take care of them. then he had done what the majority listen to <laughs> this is the country we live in. And that <laughs> huh? Yahweh you see why we as Christians might be different? Because this is the attitude, the mindset of the people we live in. And if we become Christians, and our attitude and our mindset will not change, so that we can have an impact on the people. And we only come to church and worship God and go back with the same kind of attitude. Then we are not giving glory to the Lord who has died for our sins. Because that is the environment in which we live. And within this environment, it's a challenge for you and me to be able to change and demonstrate to people that this kind of attitude is not from God. That is a challenge that you and I face. They go to the pubs, and then they sing the one I sang last time. You see the, the, the elements in the songs? One, there is dependency. Abushan should take care of him. 
Otherwise, he would die and leave them dead. So dependency. The same Abusia has also been bedeviled. And Yemenia Obina Dibiyame. Now do a Dibiyame and so Ofrabusia no more. So these kinds of things continue. That is the African, the Ghanaian, the Akan worldview. When we become Christians, and if our worldview has not changed, and we still maintain this understanding of the world, then we are doing a disservice to the Lord who has called us. And that is why I was happy when I met Apostle Nina last Thursday. When he has finished speaking, I asked him this question. Apostle, what is your legacy to your church and to the country? What is your legacy? You know the answer he gave. He said, my legacy is my ability to combine spirituality with academics and not being swayed by one. In, in, in fact, that is what he... he that, yes, I may, uh, some, some, some people become theologians and academicians and so on, and they move that path. And they don't seem to have anything to do with prayer or spirituality or anything. And then there are others who also, what, move to the other, what, extreme. And they don't seem to have anything to do with, what, the mind. But by God's grace, what he's telling is that his legacy is that he has been able to do what? Combine the two. To know that when I'm a Christian, God has also given me what? Brains. But I must also what? Pray to that God who has given me the brains. Galileo is said to have said, I don't believe that the God who gave me the mind and gave me the ability to reason does not want me to use my mind to solve my problems. An apostle is saying, the kind of leadership that he has brought to the church, and in fact the nation, is that as Christians, we should be able to do what? To use the mind, and also to do what? To depend on God, and pray, and be able to do what? To be convinced that this is what I think is right, and God has convinced me, and so therefore I will, I will move this way. And he gave me a book. We have known each other for quite a long time because we have all also, or I wrote about can a Christian become a chief? And that's, we met long ago at Agogo speaking on those things. And since then, so he gave me this book. African Pentecostal Missions Maturing. Listen to the name of the book. It's not, it's, a, it's not a book, it's a publication. And it's African Christian Studies series. And this particular one, they call it African Pentecostal Missions Maturing. Essays in honor of Apostle Opoku Onyina. The point I'm making, why I have taken this, but I just got it on Thursday and I've been reading a lot, is that he's talking about Pentecostalism. And Pentecostalism doing what? Maturing. Very, very interesting concept. And I'm happy I'm just talking to you. And an apostle said one of the things that he is thank God for is the fact that during his time and so on, the PIWC concept was brought to the church. Because he thinks that this is the hope of the church. 
Because in the P, in the, uh, he said, the church of Pentecost now has what? About 70% is the young people and the children. So the church has a future. But what kind of future? What kind of people? And what they have written in this book is that Pentecostalism is that which brought the church close to the African understanding of reality. Pentecostalism. Because Abrafono Amode Asore Methodist Nikron Ebane, all those the missionaries who came, they came not with that kind of understanding. Everything that they saw the Africans doing was considered to be what, superstitious. Because they themselves had already gone over this in long ago. They had gone through the Renaissance, Industrial Revolution, and so on. And then they came and met people who are talking about witches, who are talking about this and say, well, forget about them. But Pentecostalism drew closer to the people. That is why your church is growing. Because what you believe and what you do and so on is closer to the way the African sees what? The cosmos, the things around him. And the ability to pray, the ability to cast out, the ability to do that and all that. But they are saying that Pentecostalism must what? Must mature. Because if Pentecostalism remains at that level, where it only concentrates on what the Africans believe and will not move Africa from a certain level to a higher level of understanding, which apostles said, that is what I have left the church, that we must move from the level where everything that happens to us is demonic, everything that happens to us is witches. Now we have nothing to say about how we use our brains to solve our problem. Pentecostalism must do what? Must mature. The maturing process. He has left the scene, but the maturing process depends on you. An Pentecostalism practiced by PIWC, people who are graduates, bankers, leaders of all sorts, will come in with all the worship, but their mindset of moving the people, young people, young men and women, who must have a vision of what they think the country must be and how Christians must influence it and work towards that. But they will go down and any difficulty they meet, the first thing they do is that, remember, I'm in everybody for. If there's anybody amongst you here who continues to entertain those kinds of things and will not, he's a graduate, he's a what, and so on, then he's not helping Pentecostalism to do what? To mature. The maturing process. African Pentecostal missions maturing. Essays in honor of Apostle Opokunina, who says this to me just last Thursday. The missionary Christianity's field, I think I've already mentioned it, is to understand the African worldview. The gospel had helped them. I've gone over this. Pentecostalism goes to the African understanding, helping the rapid growth. I call it what enlightened Pentecostalism can do to transform Africa. Then enlightened is my own word. Enlightened what? Pentecostalism. Pentecostalism. This is what? Spiritual
unless you have made a, a cream and that it can heal this and this disease, why do you add the name what? Pentecostal spiritual cream. And all over the place, this is what we hear. Why do you come to church, bring people to come to church, and you tell them, pay, 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 pay. There is so much out there about Pentecostalism and charismatism, which is taking the African what? Back. Rather than moving the African forward. And therefore, we must have this enlightened what? Pentecostalism, which we are talking about, maturing and taking Africa because Abrafuna what refused to hold to recognize what Africa thinks and how Africa understands the world. That is why our method is I keep on saying, yeah, sorry, we, we, we still use what the Amanak, which is what, uh, what, what do you call it? Universal Amanak. So, this you have we are approaching what Advent. Then we'll go to Epiphany. Then we'll go to what? Pentecost. Then we'll go to Trinity and so on. So there are these readings. And these readings just keep on going on. And every three years we go back to the same set of readings. You are not addressing the African problem. But you should not also what? Deepen the African problem. So I call the old churches what? Colonization of the gospel. And I call what is happening around as what? Demonization of the gospel. But Pentecostalism maturing, what I call it, enlightened Pentecostalism, must move us out. And that is what Apostle Yuna says, my legacy to the church. And that is what his fellow academics are celebrating in this write-up. If you read it, you see the lot of things that I'm talking about, which they are also, especially the introduction by a Lord uh, Elom Donko. I think he's one of your... Uh, in, in UK. He was the editor and Juan Obroni, they, they did it. So, uh, you see, I read from the book that Apostle Onyina's personal view, the maturing process, he says, to be more effective in today's ministry is to engage in lifelong learning processes which are sharpened by prayer. Lifelong learning processes, which are what? Sharpened by prayer. He's not talking about people who just want degrees. But he's also not talking about ignorant spiritual people. Who claim that they have all the what? The spiritual understanding, but are ignorant of the things around us. They are ignorant of things that are going on. And they only tell you, come to your place and we'll do this, 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 this for you. Prayer. Supported by learning. He was saying, what I do is that I read. And me, for example, I tell you, I read. In order to be informed. I am an agriculturist. I have a PhD in agriculture, plant breeding and genetics. And I have, I'm a full professor in agriculture. But why am I talking about these things? Because I do what? I read. By the grace of God, he opens my eyes to understand these trends and these things. That is what we are talking about. I want to challenge you, PIWC people. If you are here and all that you are involved in is to come and have this glorious worship, and then you go out and your Christianity is like anybody else out there, you are not challenging yourself to be able to come out 
and be able to demonstrate that Jesus' poverty has made you what? The rich person that you are. That you are transforming. The Bible says, be ye transformed by what? By the renewal of your mind. The African Christian Bible puts it in a way I like. It says, let God transform you by changing the way you think. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. It's a challenge for young graduates, for young what, entrepreneurs, for young executives to be able to demonstrate to Ghanaians and for particularly the church of which you are a member to be able to say, yes, we have gone down to the roots. You know what made Apostle's team so nice is that his PhD thesis was to go around to interview people about Beye and uh, all those kinds. And it's a heavy book. I have a copy. Classic. He was telling us that when he was doing that work, he went to a village and they told him, if you want information, then come and then he will tell you a lot about this. Then he got there and they will come Why don't you? I don't know why I can't tell you. I'm a mom, I'm a and he said, he ran away, not only was spiritual, but physically from my face. Because he sees what is in me, and what is in him, and he sees the challenge. And you come here and you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you go out there, and you practice the kind of what? Charismatism and uh, what? Pentecostalism that they have. No. You sang here this morning, that you have the Lord in you, and you fear no evil. Because I saw them when I'm some. Out there, there's really no difference between us and them. And we are not demonstrating anything that brings glory to our Lord Jesus Christ for what He has done for us. And the poverty in Africa continues to be endemic. And we think that in everything, somebody else must be able to do something for us. The time has come. Because I firmly believe. It's not a coup for It's not any government that can really make. Why should somebody wait? So a Christonia, that's a coup for and for free SHSMA and Kanebenko school. What is the justification for that? That you should do that, and yet even after going to free SHS, some has not even dreamt about how they will support their children to go to the tertiary level or change. Let me just wind up and, and, and go on. At, at, at one point, one uh, Church of Pentecost retired apostle was doing a conference in Kumasi and invited me to come and talk. It, the topic was on anointing. And when I went, I, I, I told the Lord, Michelle Top is almost dealing with the anointing for the singing, for the preaching. I said, Lord, you know I'm talking about poverty. What, what place do I have on this kind of thing? <laughs> then the Lord told me, are you not the one who has written the book, The Anointing That Breaks the Yoke? I wrote this book, The Anointing That Breaks the Yoke. Oh, that is true. Anointing breaks what? The yoke. I think the passage is in Isaiah something, something. Anointing that breaks the yoke. And this morning, I was watching my own, watch me on Kesben TV, 
Sunday, 5 a.m., Wednesday, 5 a.m. Also, listen, if you don't come to first service, uh, uh, church bells, 7.30, I'm preaching there. Then, if you are in the office, 2.30 on Thursday, you will hear some message of Usika Semtisen. And then, Thursday night, if you are not asleep, 10 p.m. to 11. This message I'm preaching here, oh, I had a profound to call. Anyway, you can, you can follow us on all this and even on Facebook and so on. But I was talking about anointing. That breaks the yoke. And what is the yoke of Africa? The yoke of Africa is what? It's poverty. Saul, the Ammonites, this is 1 Samuel chapter 11, have gone to Jabesh Gilead. And they told them, come and line up. We want to conquer you. They said, we can't fight. I'm saying, okay, if you can't fight, come and line out. We will take one eye of everybody. That we may bring shame to Israel. One of the outlying cities of Israel. Then they said, please, allow us to go and talk to our people. So they went. At that time, Saul had become the king. And he was even in the farm. But all banner. <laughs> Or T said they were crying. So he said, What has happened? And they say, Hey, Asama Abai and T Bida. This is what the Ammonites are telling us. Let me read what the Bible tells us about Saul's response and the Holy Spirit's response. So that when we are talking about anointing, we should get a right perspective. I will, I will, I will finish very soon. Uh, that is the way we always behave when you, are, you know you are pressed with time. But I will finish soon. 1 Samuel chapter 11, I said. It says in simple terms, I think if you can put it on for us, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 11. Yes. Verse 6. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. And he became very angry. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. I always ask the question Are you angry enough? Are you angry enough? And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he enables us. So Paul, Saul said, this is what will happen to his sheep and cattle. He mobilized the people. They went and defeated the people. The spirit of God came upon him in power. The anointing that breaks the yoke. So we don't talk about anointing only in the, in the context of what? The ministration. We don't talk about anointing only in the context of what? My preaching. We don't talk about anointing only in the context of those who are engaged in the music ministry. We talk about anointing in what? In solving problems. In solving life problems. In solving our village's problems. In solving our country's problems. In solving the problems of our workplace. What do you see around you? Are you angry enough that things must change? What do you say? Ezekiel chapter 22, I like that passage, verse 30. God says, I, I, I look for what a man that I may not destroy the nation. And yet I found none. 
I found now. When I came back from Abruzzi, my mother told me, I said, Lord. And those days were not the days like today. Maybe today we are in university. I think somebody told me, what that? So yes, uh, Professor, I have a I don't know. Me them call. In those days, uh, we know we didn't have the money. But I said, I must do it. I must do it. This is a yoke. And that yoke must what? Must be broken. There are three kinds of people in this world. Those who don't see what is happening, those who see it and turn a blind eye, and those who make things happen. Where do you find yourself? As a child of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not anoint us only to speak in tongues or to give prophecies or to what? Heal. It also what? Inspires us to make a difference wherever we find ourselves. And when the Philistines came, and came, when you, you move to what? First Samuel chapter 13. A very, very bad situation of Israel. They had nothing. And yet, the Philistines were coming to attack them. Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of the Philistines. The Philistines mastered a mighty army. 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash, east of Bethlehem, to attack Israel. Now, look, look at what Israel had. At that time, I'll go to 1 Samuel chapter 13, and you see that Israel was miserable. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel, verse 19, in those days. The Philistines would allow them, wouldn't allow them for fear they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, or sickles, they had to take them to the Philistine blacksmith. The charges were as follows. Ah. Ghana, typical, and here describe what <laughs> Everything, even the stiff tooth prick, has to be what? To be imported. If the country will not go on industrialization, that is sometimes when I sit down and I hear all the arguments, and we are running politics as if we are Americans. We need development. And we Christians must not sit down and just let them what? move the country as if the country is their own. The country is our, our God's and it's ours. And yet, Jonathan, when he saw all this kind of situation, ne papa, afre debate. And the asofo always keep on doing those kinds of debate. What is the sign that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you speak in tongues? Uh, do, were you baptized by immersion or by sprinkling and all those kinds of things? We don't baptize children. We baptize children and all that. And so, so they, they continue to discuss these kinds of things. And yet the people are what? Are suffering. So Jonathan said, he told his armor bearer, let's go and attack the Philistines. Now be being see who are So the you are sitting here and you are telling yourself that I don't have money to start anything. God, Jonathan said, There's nothing that hinders the Lord to save by many or by few. Let's go. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the other. His armor bearer said, wherever you want to go, I will go with you. This is a Christian making a difference. This is a husband and wife making a difference. Embarking on some big project. We are in our CFA. Now, I will know you better than one out of the quarter retirement. I won't hear you. One year, you be here. 
There must be something coming from. I'm speaking from experience. Look, I'm a retired professor from the university. Do I tell you how much I get as, as my retirement? I get about 1,300 a month. And the church gives me about 700 a month. So 2,000. A man of my caliber, me boy. <laughs> Running my car, moving here and there and so on. I told them that, ah, for me, I'm not on retirement. Taking care of other children. I'm paying school fees and all that. So there must be a source of money. Also what? From somewhere. So if you just sit there and you just go through the establishment... And the Christian does not really become angry about the situation to change and be able to do something. Now, retirement. retirement. And then you begin to depend on what? Your children. But the Bible says it is the responsibility of parents to cater for their children, not the other way around. <laughs> I wish I, I think I will bring it to, to, to an end here. You see, so, so the point we are, we are making is, is this. We need to change our attitude. There's somebody in the Bible called Agor, Proverbs chapter 30. He says, I don't want you to make me rich or make me poor. Just give me what or what I will eat. But there is a man in the Bible I always end my message on, Jabez. He looks around himself and he says, the mentality of my people doesn't help. Because I was born under certain circumstances, they are giving me that name. And if I don't change, things will continue to remain the same. And why did his name appear? The Bible says it's, it's a genealogy. And when he got to that family, he said, Jabez was more honorable in his family than everybody else. How did that happen? Because he changed his mind. He changed and said, God, don't let this attitude of my people remain with me. Let me change my mind. Let me do something that is different. If you bless me, Lord, I will move along with you. The poverty in my home when I go back to my village, Lord, make a difference. You fear nobody has. Don't sit there and say, You fear you will be a Don't sit there and say, You fear you will Don't sit there and say that after all, that is all it has always been. Break it. Break it. Break it. Because you are a son of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let Jabez's idea of moving ourselves away from what the people have always believed. Let renewed what? Enlightened Pentecostalism be the banner that we, we bear to the world. That we in PIWC, we in the Church of Pentecost, understand the worldview of our people. And so we go there and pray with them. But we move them from there. That they might be the people that can shine for the world to say, yes, the Lord has done it.
We thank God so much for the revelations we've received today. Um, we have some few minutes to, uh, to interact. It can be a question, it can be a contribution, it can be a suggestion, it can be an idea you have to share with us. Uh, so for about how many minutes? Okay. So far is so kind. It's even 15 minutes for that. So I can bring the microphone to you if your hand is up. Do you have a question? Do you have a contribution? Do you have a suggestion? Do you have an idea to share? Okay. Can, uh, kindly mention your name and then you continue for us. Hello. Something has to do with uh, in your administration, you do mention the church cannot sit and expect the government to do it all. And I got confused because if you look at our leadership in the government, it comprises a lot of Christians and Muslims. And we can find them here. I think we have Peter Chumesi living or churching with us here. He's in government. Other people too, are, I mean, in different churches, they are in government. And we are here. Africa is poor, and to me, I see that, yes, everything in the country, I mean, is caused by we Christians. Look at the sanitation issues. Who are drinking these waters and then dumping them anyhow, somewhere, everywhere, anytime? Are they not Christians, prof? <laughs> so please, I don't see why we are saying that the government cannot do it, or the government is us, the church. And I believe we must follow, I mean, the new revelation you've given us. Thank you. Okay, so this, I think it's a suggestion, contribution. Okay. Madame Fou. <laughs> yes, uh, I was at the top there, and I decided to come down closer to my big brother. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that what you are hearing, I was privileged to hear from him about 20 years ago. He's my mentor. I worked closely with him. For nearly 10 years, he changed and strengthened my thinking into a very bold person. I will refer him to a day. We were in a meeting, and a lady came to instruct us rudely and very unfriendly. Prof was the leader of the team. He left the lady to go out consulted us. I said, we have to talk back to this lady to change his attitude. At least he should respect the people who are working for this country and developing time, brain, and knowledge to transform this country. I have a problem, a big problem with the church. I don't mean Pentecost church. I have a very big country problem with the church. The fact of the matter is that the church is expected to actually transform our thinking 
and our insight into what can actually see a problem, identify it, sleep and think about the problem and how to solve the problem for mankind. And not the, way, the other way around. That is my biggest problem. Christianity doesn't challenge Christians, us, enough for the spirit that dwells in us to actually come out with what is expected to transform society for the best. Most Christians, we are slow. We are cowards. Some of us even don't know that in the Bible, the Bible states it clearly that cowards will never go to heaven. It's in scriptures. It's in the Bible. Most Christians are big cowards. And that's the reason why I walk from the top to come down here to express and confirm what I learned from my big brother about 20 years ago. He changed my thinking. He contributed to my manhood and made me bold. I, can, I think Angela is here. I can stand up and address the president to change his attitude when I want to do it. Let us change. God expects us to change. The Jesus we have believed in expects us to change and change this country. This country must be changed. And the people who will change this country are Christians. Let's change our thinking. Let's change the, the, the scriptures and the church should not, should not shut, our, shut up our thinking. Christianity should bring the best out of us to change this country. Thank you. Thank you. Can we appreciate that? Okay. Thank you very much. Um, I'm Angela. I used to work with Prof. And uh, I love his ways. Um, Prof, what I want to say is um, you are influential. And I think these one-man churches that are swaying people, if Christians are supposed to make a change, and they are con co confusing people, I think you should be in a position to influence such. The Christian council, if you have links there, should be able to register all these one-man churches and they change their weight because they are just confusing the whole lot. What I like about what you said about us depending on our kids, I've made it a point that my children I will never take money from. We, as we are working, should be able to save and make a change to our own lives and our kids. But as dwelling, we are educated, we should be able to be in a position not to depend on our kids. Let's plan for our future. I've worked for so long with the Ministry of Agri. I'm now retired. I'm not even near 60, but I said I've retired. I'll do my own job. I will not work for the government again. I'm done. <laughs> I will make a change by working for my own self, whether I succeed or not, no more for the government. Let's make it a point. We shouldn't be working and earning, earning, earning till we are 60. You can't maintain your car because your car has been maintained for you for so long. You can't build a home because you've lived in the bungalow for so long. You have a driver and everything. It doesn't help in any way. Let's change at a point and not depend on the government for our income. Thank you. Uh, Pastor and uh, Prof will, will help uh, give us an idea about these one-man churches. 
and the challenges for them because they are with the GPCC. Hallelujah. I, my recent research I'm doing is on African Pentecostalism and African spirituality and the concept of prayer. That is the current research I'm doing now. Now, I felt guilty when I went for my second block uh, recently. I felt guilty about some things. That is the more reason why we decided to have this financial empowerment seminar. Now, in the recent uh, block we went, we realized that Pentecostals emphasize on spirituality. Spirituality is issues about prayer, issues about getting closer to God, but not demonstrating how that spirituality will benefit us in the immediate environment. That was one of the main reasons why we looked at having this financial empowerment week. And unfortunately, most of us didn't come. The week has been really loaded from Monday to Friday. If you can go back and look at the Facebook, um, the Facebook recordings, they've been really loaded. So, during the research, I realized that in Ghana alone, there are 8,000 churches that are not registered. 8,000 individual churches. Personal churches. Some of them are family churches. Some of them are churches that belong to individuals. They don't belong to any umbrella. They are not under any oversight responsibility. So the pastor can come to church and misbehave and nobody will correct that person. Unfortunately, unfortunately, some of us find ourselves there. Some of us here find ourselves there. Somebody will invite you, you go and then you go again. Why? Because the guy will go and do some gymnastics and then you are so fascinated about it. That is not spirituality. Spirituality is about translating your nearness and closeness to God into practicality. So that it becomes so evidential. Your immediate society and environment will benefit from it. If it is only about prayer, prayer, and only about getting close to God, and in Kainina, we are okay. Because we pray a lot, isn't it? Fridays we pray. But it's time we change some of these mentalities. That's why we organize this prayer. This, this week-long program. So what we are saying is that these one-man churches, unfortunately, we don't have any regulations. We don't have... Now, the, the government is saying they are re-registering all churches. That is what the government has said recently, that they are re-registering all churches again because they've realized that there are uh, some, some of these churches doing whatever. So they've started a registration process recently. And it's mandatory for all churches to go and re-register. And they want to look at the, the issue of the trustees of the church. It must not be a one-man church. The church must have, we must, you must have a, 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 an oversight body. Unfortunately, for some of them, it is on paper. When they are registering, they'll just pick some people. Kojo, Menu, Mensa, come and be their trustees. But in reality, they don't work. So that is the problem we have in Ghana. And those churches command so much. They have a lot of followers. And these followers go there. They go to church. You can be in such a service. You finish at the end of the day. We ask you, what are you Yet, you are going home. So, we're sorry. Just because of the gymnastics. It's time we, we, we as Christians and Pentecostal, let's advise our family members. Let's advise our brothers and sisters. Let's advise people who go to some of these churches. 
and let them know the way and the truth. It will help us. Otherwise, when we leave them, they also become a burden on us in future. And even their salvation may not be guaranteed. I think uh, Osofu has said it all. The, 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 the base of all of it is that you see the, the comparison I'm making. It's not the 8,000 individuals who have set up the church, but the people who are attracted and they go. And because they do those things, they always get them to come and they sell them what they want to buy. So that is the issue, and that is why what we are talking about, maturing Pentecostalism, because all that I have said with my interaction with Apostle Prof is that, and the book that has come out, is that you are a, you are a denomination that is practicing, and of course, the concept of PRWC have set an enlightened group of people aside who, if they begin to understand and apply what they have learned, the use of their mind, and all those kind of spirituality translating into what people can really see, then you can begin to talk to people. Whom we can really demonstrate. But Look at what the Lord has done for us. And when we, we begin to practice those things and begin to demonstrate and become a witness, I have come to some conclusion that sometimes amongst us, our greatest witness is not just telling people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, but demonstrating to them the power of this Jesus that we believe and how he helps to transform our lives, our immediate environment, communities, and what our what so-called destinies have to be. If we have that, rather than go and believe in what? Destiny oil, destiny whatever, and all that. If we can demonstrate that, look, these don't help. Gradually, I think, because if you use legislation, Legislation may work, but it will not solve the whole problem until the people's mind and understanding has become enlightened. I have always said the future of these groups is already threatened by the free SHS. People are going to become more what? Enlightened. It doesn't mean say you need to go to school before you can uh, see all of these things. But I need And so for you, you are an elite group who really can read and understand. And you must use what you find to demonstrate what Christ has done and can do in your life. When you read the Bible, there's so much about Practical Christianity. Can spend a whole time talking about a lot of things. Jesus talked about the parable of the talents, the foolish and the foolish and the what? And, and, and the wise virgins. Why were some of them foolish and why were them uh, what? wise? It's simply because of what? Anticipation. 
One group taught outside the box. The other group only followed what? The traditional thinking. Because they followed the traditional thinking, they did not, they missed it. But one group said, okay, we are going with our lambs. What if, if everything is delayed? And now when you go to seminars and things like that, they are talking about critical thinking. They are talking about thinking outside the box. They are all in the Bible. So those of us who read the Bible must now begin to see the Bible and the other message that the Bible has in relation to our poverty environment. If we continue to interpret everything only in the context of spirituality, we miss a lot of the message that the gospel, the Bible has for us. Proverbs chapter 31 is, is telling you that you need to do a multiple sources of income. That's what the lady is doing. And it's not a passage only to be read when we are having a wedding. But you can see... <laughs> 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 